welcome to the Grimosa Podcast, a podcast created by two friends based in different countries to connect over interesting topics. My name is Abby, and on the line with me today is Joyce. Shreyas is currently based in Bangalore, India, and has been studying Japanese almost daily for the past three years. Today, we'll be discussing a bit about his journey and how he got to where he is today. So, Shreyas, could you start off by sharing about how your interest in the Japanese language began? Uh, sure. So, um, this was around March 2017. So, my cousin was working as a lawyer in Tokyo at the moment, and... Um, I had just got my first job. It was about four months in. I had some extra cash, so I just thought, um, yeah, I should probably go to Japan. So I think that was my first. I, I spent uh, about seven days on my first trip, and uh, I obviously like I didn't understand anything. Uh, mm-hmm. None of the shop signs. I couldn't right. communicate with people, but I saw that as a very sort of i i was surprised by how little i knew about the place and how little i could connect so uh, the the that desire had already started brewing in me to just sort of understand the the mystery behind all of that um um so so that process started then but then um i had another chance to go to japan again that year uh and and this time it was to sort of explore the country more and um i had started learning a bit of basic japanese by then <clears throat> but that second trip really solidified my my interest in the country and the and the language thank you and this is your interest in the country but can you kind of connect for me your interest in the language specifically yeah so i think um for the most part they're sort of inextricably linked at least for me i feel like um knowing the language is is one way to knowing the country um but i think from a also from a linguistic standpoint i think i really liked uh the fact that they use three character systems mm-hmm. it's all so beautifully complex but yet so um it all just fits in and i used to i remember looking at these japanese sentences as a child and i remember like thinking how different each of the characters looked and um mm. so so that was one thing and then um yeah i think i well yeah i mean that that's that's probably it yeah i mean that was one of the main reasons i think sure. um yeah sure and uh before did you try to enroll in some sort of course before starting to learn on your own the good question no actually um i considered it but then i um i just reminded myself that i really loved french so i actually learned french for 5 years mm. uh okay. i started when i was uh, 13 and i sort of studied french for 5 years uh until i was 18 but and then i just thought about those times when i used to really love learning french i used to watch a lot of these movies and um you know just just jump into the pool so to speak uh surrounding myself with like french i could hardly understand but i really liked that feeling so i mean so you were i were learning french on your own no so i was learning french like as part of the school curriculum but okay. i also sort of extended that learning once i got back home and got it um and yeah like i just like being in that space of discomfort 
so i wanted yeah. to um, so i thought this is like the perfect opportunity to uh do that again and this time like i i'm sure like my i mean so many things probably changed since uh i was 13 and since now uh, until now because back then there were probably not as many resources um i probably had limited access to the internet back then so there were all these things that probably changed uh through those uh eight eight years almost wow so so yeah so uh yeah so i i decided to just uh uh self study yeah sure and looking back would you have done any of that differently could you kind of walk us through um what that self study strategy looked like wow yeah so i um wow this is so when i started i just bought like some very standard textbooks i think um they were called living language and i think no one buys these textbooks i think the the recommended <laughs> one is uh, this thing called genki which everyone seems to like rave about for a, for a beginner learning japanese but i bought these uh-huh. super almost the in retrospect they look pretty scammy like you know they have those stock <laughs> they have the stock images on the cover and like so but i bought a set of those books why why did you buy those instead of the ginky ones i don't think i researched it enough and i i think i just wanted to like get something so i just looked up a uh, basic japanese books or something and this was probably like <laughs> uh in the top 3 in some link somewhere so so i just bought this and um that was my first foray into the language and i think the book was all right like i think i mm. breezed through it much faster than i would have hoped for and i think they probably made it too simple in retrospect but i think in some way that gave me the confidence and like i ended up buying uh, a book called thobira which is sort of like a gateway to intermediate like sorry gateway to advanced japanese for intermediate learners so mm. when i bought that book I was struggling with it at the beginning. So the first chapter itself is like the super large text on the geography of Japan and mm-hmm. literally every word I had to kind of stop and uh, look up the meaning and like it was yeah. I mean I had to really persist through that but that really took me out of my comfort zone. Um so that was my second sort of book. So I think I was with books like for a good with just books for a good year or so. uh it was initially these living language books and then the and then thobira but then i started um watching shows on netflix so there uh i can tell you some shows that i started watching so there's something okay. called uh, uh midnight diner uh i started watching midnight diner then i watched this thing called samurai gourmet uh then um kantaro the is about a guy who loves like sweets uh uh-huh. and there were quite a few basically everything that was on netflix i tried to kind of just so call that up like a sponge um and then I, and how long yeah. how long were you reading books before netflix because i i can imagine a lot of people thinking that or saying that um books are helpful for maybe vocabulary and grammar but how do you get the contextual knowledge of the language through just a textbook uh that's a good question so i think uh, i think you there's a whole range of books i think in terms of their quality i think so mm. you you'll have books that are like 
super textbooky, right? Like you, they'll just uh, use words like copula, which make no sense. Um, but it's like it's the thing to write, right? In these books, but. I think Tobira, in some sense, had these sections at the end of each chapter where there was like a conversation section, and um, there, yeah. So like, the, and all of this was recorded, so I could, um, like, entertain my ears with all these conversations. Right. They used to read out entire chapters, so like every chapter mm. was about twenty to twenty-five minutes of just listening, uh, wow. and I think that was useful. and i think listening with the power of the textbook can be like mm. phenomenally helpful um because when you're listening doing listening just on netflix um yeah. it's, it's it's like something's missing you don't have the instruction mm. but if you have right. like listening with the instruction it can be like really helpful yeah that's awesome thank you for sharing um and i was wondering how do you remain how did you remain disciplined in studying the language on your own after you know a full day's work almost every single day hmm i think my okay there's a few things here at play i think one thing is my i wanted a set sense of routine with my job so i i had a very mm. fixed hour job so i used to I mean I, it was a 8 to 6 kind of job and I used to be back by 7 and I had all these leftover hours at the end of the day to do whatever I wanted and mm. I just thought I should be doing something during this time so mm. I wanted to get into that sense of I am doing something during this time um so that motivated mm. me to some extent uh the second thing is um I think when you're learning a language this whole marginal returns thing is super high because you're looking at words for the first time you're learning structures for the for the first time it's like you are gaining these powers every single day just by learning a few words and it feels like mm. very significant um so that motivation was there sort of automatically and sure. and i think lastly just the coolness factor of it all um <laughs> the coolness factor I, yeah like i could just write these super interesting looking characters and i used to write my grandmother's name and my mom's name in katakana and like show off and i mean that was the initial sort of thing but um <laughs> i think going going forward i think it just became like a like an addiction like i just wanted to I, it's almost like i had to i had to like i had to learn new words i had to learn new grammatical structures i just felt a sense of like incompleteness if i didn't do that sure sure and I, i can imagine a lot of listeners that including myself have tried um learning a language and just couldn't continue on um for whatever reason um were there times when you felt like quitting absolutely i i think um i've that there's there's a whole bunch of these moments that i've had some have not been that intense but like i've had three or four moments periods of time where i've just felt uh, like this is not worth it um but i think most of that had to do because i didn't have a clear idea of why i was studying the language but i'll come to that but i think the, i'll just tell you a bit about the moments itself so um there are times when um, so there was this uh, i i had a Japanese colleague uh, working in like uh, working with me and um 
I used to kind of see the way they interact with each other. And um, I just thought, like, I'm never going to get there because they're, like, speaking incredibly fast. Um, and I, back then, I obviously wanted to try to speak that way. So I, like, would try to translate what's in my head to actually say what they were trying to say. And I was horribly, like, <laughs> it was a total fail. So, um kind of just getting repeatedly exposed to how like poor your knowledge is is something that really set me back like i i felt like i should probably just spend my time getting better at what i already know rather than like picking something right. new um and i've read all these things now where people say um when you try to achieve uh bilingualism you kind of end up being average at both the languages instead of being super at one. Uh, right. So again, those fears started playing in my mind and everything. So, um, but then I just asked myself, like, why, like, why am I studying the language? Um, mm. And um, yeah, I think then it kind of helped me a bit, helped me to get through some of that. Sure. And and what was that why for you? And has that why changed over the past three years? Uh, I think... Hmm, I think the why has changed for sure. For sure. I can tell you the why um, at the moment. Um, I think for now it's become more like a hobby uh, initially i think i was learning japanese with the intention to actually say probably work in japan or uh, sure. work in a japanese company uh, but that has changed um, i think i've uh, mm. spoken to a few people along the way um, uh, but and there's a whole bunch of other factors i guess as well but but now i, I just see learning japanese more like something that's just uh, uh, something I do after work, something that really interests me. And uh, I want to be the kind of guy who programs through most of the day, but then who is on the Japanese Stack Exchange community chat room. So, yeah. <laughs> That's wonderful. That's a wonderful balance. I want to go quickly back um, to to your time when you were um, you know, learning your first couple of years, watching Netflix uh, while reading textbooks. Did you have any native Japanese speakers whom you could speak to during that time? Did you feel um, like your learning was complete if you didn't have that um, mm. option? It's a great question. My one of my colleagues, as I mentioned, was uh, Japanese. Is Japanese, so we uh, right. again. The thing is, uh, I was a very basic. Uh, I was my level was very basic back then, so we couldn't obviously interact much as much as I would have liked to, at least. Um, in I think at the beginner level, I don't know if it would have affected my learning much if I had like a significant presence of spoke mm -hmm. Japanese around me. But I think now I see the need for that more than ever. Um, but I th And why is that? Where's the difference between now and, and when you're a beginner? I think I didn't have the tools back then. So even if I had, like, say, Japanese people around me or people who spoke Japanese, I probably couldn't get my point across. I couldn't understand what they were saying. I, it, it 
that conversation wouldn't like build up to anything. Uh, I think it would just be a very surfacey sure. conversation. But I think now um, sure. it's been um, so. Anyway, I so that was at the beginning. But then over time, um, of course, uh, you <laughs> you met Michael in a restaurant in Delhi, and then uh, <laughs> I think that that story is. But yeah, it's uh, sufficient for another podcast but i think um yeah so i think the presence of, obviously having microsan around like was so 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 helpful because i had reached the stage where mm. uh, i could actually communicate and um, i could actually understand so that really helped um and so yeah as, i think as you sort of as your level keeps increasing that need sort of keeps increasing as well um because you can do so much more like now uh, right uh, yeah I've, uh, just, mm. And for people, oh, go ahead. Yeah, uh, and also like, uh, although I don't have a direct um, communication with Japanese people, like I have. Uh, there's this app called Hello Talk, which I registered mm, um, in uh, about a couple of years ago, and it's it's been very very helpful. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about that app? Uh, yeah, it's just it's just like a social network for uh, language learners. Uh, the okay. What I like about it is that um, it's the the people are. I think the people are so many that you just get help so easily. Uh, I think that that's what I like about <laughs> it. Uh, it's very very popular, especially in East Asia and the US. So. Um, there's a lot of people there, and uh, they're very, very helpful. I also like ended up the, uh, my conversation with a couple of people actually ended up being quite significant as well. And I think one of the um, one of the people I met on the blog uh, on the app actually helped me write uh, my first blog post in Japanese as well. So, uh, so wow. <laughs> you know, just yeah, it can lead to all sorts of things. So I definitely recommend joining the app. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That is called Hello Talk, the app, and I understand that they have uh, the same app for different languages as well, right? Not oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, lots of languages. Yeah. Awesome. That that makes me think about something that I know language learners seem to come across um, as sort of a difficulty, which is this interesting barrier they feel between themselves and native language speakers. A lot of times, people learning Japanese, for example, might feel scared speaking to someone in Japanese, who is Japanese or who is a native Japanese speaker? Did that happen to you? And if so, how did you kind of overcome that fear or barrier? I think that's a great question. Um, my first interaction with, on Hello Talk actually was, um, so my, my colleague at uh, my previous company was was my friend. So I, I didn't really um, feel right. that sense of, uh, I, I was, uh, in fact, I ensured, like it was just, I could make as many mistakes as I wanted and it would just like, we would just laugh yeah. it off or whatever. But the first person I right. spoke to on the phone on hello talk was this guy who I, I just joined the app and I was like, I, Hey, you know, Hey, I want to like talk to someone. So it's very easy to just like pick some random person and start talking to him uh, on the, on the app. So I, I did that. And yeah, it was a, it was very embarrassing because I, I couldn't express what I wanted to say. <laughs> I ended up, just blabbering stuff in English, which of course, like he couldn't understand, just to make up for my lack of Japanese, and it was just, just it's a total mm -hmm. failure. 
um but i think here's what i think helps uh you know i think here's what i think we should realize is that when we talk to um say japanese people like they are just as um they might be just as shy or as nervous as you because they want to learn english as well i i obviously i'm speaking in the context of where both of us want to learn each other's language uh, so i can't speak of other cases okay. but in this case it's like even that guy probably is going to have the same problem speaking in english um and i think just being aware of the fact that hey you're amazing at this one language you're going to make a lot of mistakes as you learn the second language so just embrace these mistakes um rather than um sort of hiding from them and uh, there's actually this really interesting website called tofugu um they have this book mm. called uh, 4500 japanese sentences and the idea is that is just 4000 is this 4500 japanese sentences just like written one after the other and the whole philosophy is that you don't spend too much time on each sentence you just blaze through all those sentences and just keep reading them over and over again because you make so many mistakes in your understanding and interpretation of the sentences but then you just keep refining that like you just keep making mistakes and keep getting better and sort of overthinking everything um, yeah sure interesting thank you um going off um a little bit um in a different direction i'm curious what your favorite japanese word is and why <laughs> interesting uh Hmm. I think in terms of uh, how the word sounds uh I'd probably mm-hmm. say it'd probably be an onomatopoeic onomato, onomatopoeic word so it'll probably be like <laughs> something like maybe something like purupuru or huahua so they both have the connotation of being very fluffy and bouncy so so um so yeah either purupuru or huahua in terms of meaning um hmm Yeah, I really don't know. I think there's a few candidates. There might be something so something like kibo. Kibo is to like hope for something mm. and to wish and aspire. So kibo. Mm. Then another one is um gambariya-san. So it's I think it's a very it's a very it means to be like very hard working and someone who really puts a lot of work into what they do um and it's it's a i think it's a word used to commonly describe the japanese people gambaria san um that's like a value that they espouse so i quite like that word as well and um that's very interesting a word that beyond its direct definition also has some sort of cultural meaning attached to it something that is kind of specific to the culture of the country where that language originates from mm. that's that's really absolutely interesting um thank you and then i'm i'm also curious what you think is the most stark difference between japanese and your native language which is mm. english 
Oh, there's so many. Mm, I think. I find Japanese to be very economical in its usage, and mm-hmm. when I when I find myself speaking in English, I'm yapping all over the place. I'm putting all these things that really don't matter, uh, <laughs> and they just fluff up my sentence like beyond what is uh, needed. So, but but when I have to say the the, the same thing in in Japanese, I have to really filter it down. to exactly what i want to convey so mm. i think that's one that's one thing that really stands out mm. that's very interesting awesome we're coming up on time here so i'll just ask you one um, final question that i think hopefully will help um, whoever's listening to the podcast but what is one piece of advice that you might give up to someone learning any language by themselves and what would you also encourage them with in order to keep learning and not give up mm. Yeah, this is tricky. I I think okay, this might sound a bit not like a bit anticlimactic, but I think everyone's different, and there is no singular way to study a language. Um, mm. And um, maybe I'll just I'll just say what. Uh, another learner told me and i think that really stuck with me mm. just do whatever you find to be fun uh if if you're not having fun learning the language then there's really no point i think and also also to um uh take some inspiration from one of my favorite guitarists katri gavin uh ask yourself why you're studying the language uh, before actually like taking the plunge just mm-hmm. always have a implicit appreciation for why you're doing what you're doing yeah absolutely super helpful word sure thank, thank you. you so much for your time really enjoyed having you on um and hope to see you on yep. the podcast yeah thank you so much thanks bye thanks bye